we have some friends coming to visit us in a few days, and we haven't seen in probably, I don't know, six, seven years, I guess. And we're just connected to them in so many ways. Uh, my wife, Diane, used to babysit uh, the woman that's coming and her siblings. And then she and her two younger sisters uh, used to babysit our four kids. Uh, and even before we had kids, uh, we were friends with Colleen, uh, the woman that's coming. Um, she'd come over to our house and watch TV and we'd eat popcorn and ice cream. And, uh, and one day we came home from being someplace and she was outside painting our house. Uh, our oldest son was ring bearer in their wedding when he was like, two years old. Uh, our two oldest sons lived with her and her husband at different times after high school. Uh, I was the pastor to their two sons in their weddings. And for many years, they were Uncle Pat and Aunt Colleen. Uh, but the greatest thing that we share is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Colleen and her brothers and sisters grew up in the church that we came out of when I went into the ministry. Uh, Pat had been uh, raised a Catholic, and uh, they've, they've always been part of a Protestant church. That wasn't a question. But it's just amazing to watch how they have grown in their relationships with the Lord. Uh, Colleen has written two books. Uh, Diane and I did the foreword for the first book that she wrote. Uh, her second one just came out earlier this year. Uh, but it's just so awesome to have great friends in Jesus and to uh, be able to, to share, excited to, to go to church with him this weekend and be able to worship with him. It's something we haven't done in a, in a long, long time. So uh, just uh, ask, you be praying for him as they're traveling. Uh, going to take them three days to get out here. And uh, just so looking forward to this. But so let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks that um, you put those kinds of friendships in our lives, the ones that are for life. And Lord, especially when they're believers, as Pat and Colleen certainly are. And so, Lord, we just um, ask for your blessing on our time together with them. But right now I ask for your blessing on, on this message that, Lord, people will hear what it is you want them to hear. Uh, that either because of something I say or in spite of me, that uh, they will be blessed as well. So, Lord, just open our ears, our hearts, our minds, and, Lord, let your Holy Spirit guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, life is full of choices, paper or plastic cash or credit, smoking or non-smoking. That's not such a big deal in most places anymore. But um, we recently bought a new small refrigerator to put on in our garage. <coughs> and well, do you want an extended warranty? Do you want a three-year extended warranty? Do you want a five-year extended warranty? Uh, what are you going to watch on TV? You know, where Diane and I both grew up, and like a lot of you, we had like three channels. Uh, we were across Lake Erie from Canada, and so sometimes we could pick up some Canadian stations. But 
you know, what are you going to have for breakfast or lunch or supper? Are you going to have a snack tonight? Or, you know, what are you going to wear? Um, you know, the, the list is endless. And there are some choices, like the ones that I mentioned, that really aren't a big deal. Okay, but there's others that can be life-changing. Are you going to go to college? You know, where are you going to go? Where are you going to study? You know, well, who am I supposed to date? You know, am I supposed to date that good-looking guy over there? Am I supposed to date this other guy that's really been a good friend of mine? You know, where am I going to live? You know, do we want to have kids or no kids? And then there's others, you know, should I really probably be trying to lose some weight or, you know, I really shouldn't be drinking so much or I need to quit smoking. You know, the doctor says you got cancer. Well, are you going to do chemo or not going to do it? Are you going to have surgery or not have surgery? Phew. Well, as Christians, we have choices as well. You know, what Bible? Oh, my goodness. There's how many Bible translations out there? Uh, if you don't have the version app, you need to get it because... You can look at probably 25 or more uh, different Bible translations. And it's in, I don't know how many different languages. But, uh, you know, and then what church are you going to go to? You know, you want to go to a traditional service, you know, where they have the pipe organ and, you know, sing nothing but hymns. Or you want to go to a more contemporary service where, you know, there's drums and keyboards and guitars and uh, or do you want to go to a Pentecostal church? Or, you know, you're going to go to a big church where there's thousands of people? Or are you going to go to some little church that's, you know, maybe only 15 or 20 people? Or a couple hundred people? Are you going to go to a denominational church? You know, you're going to go to the Presbyterian or a Baptist church of some kind? Or a Lutheran church, United Methodist church? Or are you going to go to some little or even big, non-denominational church, you know, that's not connected with any other churches. Now, you're going to get in a small group, or no, I don't know if I want to be in a small group. How about serving? Well, yeah, I need to serve. Well, when are you going to serve? How are you going to serve? Where are you going to serve? You know, is church going to be something that's part of your life and you go every week? Or is it something that, you know... Hey, I don't have anything to do this morning, so I guess I'll go to church. Phew. The most important choice we have is this. Am I going to be a believer in Jesus Christ or not? That's what we need to talk about. Why choose Jesus? Okay, that's a choice that we certainly have. And... You know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's the, the smartest choice you can make, the best choice you can make. But how do we choose Jesus? You know, this fall I plan on doing a series on cults and other religions. So I'm not going to go into that this deep in this message by any means. But I want to look at the whys of choosing Jesus or not. Now, some of you may have grown up in a Christian home. And so the choice to be a Christian just really seemed natural to everyone, especially your parents. I mean, they just expected you to follow Jesus. You know, your pastor did, everybody else did. And maybe you felt the same way. You know, that's 
just what I guess I'm going to do. I mean, you went to Sunday school from as long as you can remember. You were always at vacation Bible school. You were in the youth group. You know, you went Sunday morning to church and Sunday school and maybe Sunday night to a service, maybe a Wednesday night service. You maybe took classes before you were baptized or confirmation. You know, you sang in the little kids' choir. You sang in the youth choir. You know, you were always in the Christmas program. You know, you'd been a sheep. You'd been a shepherd. You'd been, you know, maybe even baby Jesus when you were little. Uh, maybe you were Joseph or Mary or who knows what. And, you know, maybe you went to church camp, you know, every summer. And all of that kind of stuff. But... You may have done all of that, but never really made a commitment. It certainly looked like you had. Everybody thought that you were a believer. And then you maybe went away to college, or you joined the military, or you got a job. And life was different. And you started wondering about everything that you had done before was connected to church or to Jesus. Suddenly, you've got a lot more choices that you can make than what you did before. Your classmates, your co-workers, that they were a lot different. Life was a lot different. And maybe you were a lot different. Maybe you started questioning. Maybe you started doubting. Maybe you quit being who you were. I'm not saying that you became a criminal or a terrible person of any kind, but, you know, this church just didn't really fit into your plans and the plans with your spouse or the plans with your co-workers or whatever. And you're just not the you that you used to be. Because life goes on. You know, you get a job, maybe you get married, Maybe you have kids, and it's just life. And then, well, something happens. You know, one of those life-changing things. Your company downsizes and you don't have a job. Or they pack up and move across the country, and you don't really want to move across the country. You know, maybe your relationship with your spouse, you know, is really rough and looks like it's going to end or does end. You know, maybe you're betrayed by friends or co-workers. Maybe you get sick or someone close to you gets really sick or passes away. And then you've got a choice. In all of this, you've got a choice. Do I fall back on what I knew or do I get angry with that God that I learned about so many years? You got a choice and you got to make it. Well, then there's the pastor's kids. Okay, the church classifies the pastor's kids as different from everybody others, you know, all the other kids, especially their kids. You know, the pastor's kids, they're supposed to know the Bible from cover to cover. You know, they can list off the books of the Bible backwards, you know, not just frontwards, 
but they can do it backwards. And they, oh my, they never misbehave. They don't run in church. You know, they don't make noise. They certainly wouldn't, you know, be caught throwing a hymnal into certainly not a Bible. You know, they're supposed to be the perfect example for all the other children in the church. Doesn't work that way. Okay, unfortunately, many pastor's kids choose to turn their back on the Lord and go their own way. Well, praise God, our children have continued to follow the Lord. Not because of me, but in spite of me. Well, then there's people like me, okay? The Presbyterian Church in town, that was our church, okay? That was the Shell family church. And never went, okay? I never remember my father going there, uh, except for funerals, okay? Because the Presbyterian pastor married and buried everybody in the family. And, you know, my mother, she would go sometimes, you know, the Easter or Christmas, not every Easter or Christmas. And, you know, I remember I was the youngest of three. I, I don't remember my brother or sister ever going to church or Sunday school. Uh, but my mother or father would drop me off at church for Sunday school every once in a while. And when I was in high school, the junior high school, middle school, you know, once in a while I'd go to the MYF, the Methodist Youth Fellowship, because I had some cute girls there. But church and God certainly was not a part of my life. Well, choices need to be made. And if we want to look at the Bible, the Bible is full of choices that people made. Good ones and bad ones. Okay, Adam and Eve, they chose to listen to a reptile instead of God. David chose to confront Goliath, but he also chose to commit adultery and to have someone murdered. Joseph chose to not commit adultery, and he chose to have compassion on his brothers when I'm not sure I would have. Esther, she chose to go to King Xerxes to save her people. She didn't want to at first, but she did. Many kings chose to follow the Lord. Many did not. Judas chose to betray, betray Jesus, but somebody had to betray Jesus, and it was Judas. Well, Pilate chose to have Jesus crucified. Again, he didn't really have a choice. Jesus had to be crucified, and Pilate just happened to be the guy that had to be the one to give the order. So let's go back to choosing Christ or not. Wait a minute. What did Jesus say in John 15, 16? In the NIV, it says, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So if we say, I chose to follow Jesus, are we wrong? 
Should we say instead, praise God, Jesus has chosen me to follow him? Now, I'm not going to get into predestination here or the frozen chosen either, but according to Jesus' words here in John 15, it sounds like we have been chosen. If we consider ourselves Jesus followers, or maybe we have chosen to be chosen. Praise the Lord, Jesus chose to choose me, however it works. I don't know, but praise God. Well, once the choice has been made by you or by Jesus, life changes. Okay, in Matthew 16, 23, Jesus said this to Peter. Okay, this is the NIV. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Uh, that's some pretty harsh words. That'd be awful hard to hear. I mean, can you imagine how Peter must have felt when Jesus said that to him? Well, let me follow that up with what Jesus said in Luke 9, beginning in verse 23. It says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? I'm going to give that to you again from the message. Where Jesus says, Anyone who intends to come after to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose the real you? You know, being a follower of Jesus it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for a bunch of wimps. Too many people think that Christianity is for women and children. Too many men think that being Christian is a sign of weakness. Because men, a lot of men think, oh, I can do this myself, I'm a man. <laughs> well, too many people are really stupid. Now I know it doesn't sound very Christian, but it's the truth. Okay, a lot of boys, you know, when they're smaller, will go to church and Sunday school with their mom and their siblings, but then they get to be, you know, late elementary or middle school, and they say, well, dad doesn't go to church. You know, why should I go to church? You know, this must be not something that guys do. You know, little kids, that's okay. You know, little boys, but I'm not a little boy anymore. And so, you know, I don't think I need to go to church because of the example that's been set by their father. So no matter how tough you think you are, how many pounds you can press on the, on the bench press, no matter what your father may have taught you, 
no matter what your buddies have to say, you need Jesus at the center of your life, at the center of your marriage, at the center of your family, and you need him in your job. Even if you're working in a non-Christian place, all the more you need Jesus to be with you. Now, Jesus has already chosen you. We just need to accept the invite. Well, the same goes for women, okay? Because you can't do it on your own. Maybe your friends think they are, but they're not. Maybe the magazines you read tell you, you are a woman and you can roar. Well, your roar is nothing but a wimpy little whine without Jesus. John tells us this same principle in a different way in chapter 12. He says, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. To those who have a relationship with the Lord, it just really kind of seems like a no-brainer. You know, of course I want to serve you. And that certainly means that I'm going to follow you. I mean, that's just kind of a moment that we think, sure, if I'm going to follow you, I'm going to serve you, you know, kind of goes hand in hand. So it just kind of makes sense that my life here on earth is really not that important. How we live our life here is important, okay? But our life here is not important. Following Jesus' example when he was here, that's important. So we just finished a, a devotional with our kids and some others, and the name of the devotional was In It But Not Of It. And that's how we are to look at our time here on earth, whether it's 20 years or 80 years or whatever, that our time here is, you know, just preparation for our eternity. I think I've mentioned before Larry Norman, you know, one of the pioneers of contemporary Christian music, and had the, the video or CD or record at that time, uh, only visiting this planet. And that's what we're doing. So what John and everything else is trying to emphasize is this. Our kingdom life cannot be overshadowed by our earthly life. That's what Jesus is telling us in each one of the Gospels. Well, Paul gives us a good example of how we should look at the choice that we make in following Jesus. In Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19, this is from the New Living Translation. Paul says, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if I keep the law, excuse me, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the old is gone and the new is here. The old me died October 2nd, 1977. I'm not who I was. Praise the Lord. Okay, that was my choice that day. And by far, it was the best choice that I've ever made. I chose to allow Jesus to choose me. I could have resisted, but I'm sure glad that I didn't. And when Paul is talking about, you know, the old dying and the new coming, uh, this past weekend we had baptisms at our church. There were 70 people who were baptized in the five services over the weekend. And, you know, that's how the pastor explained it. When you go into the water, you know, that's like going into the tomb with Jesus. And then when you come up out, that's the new life. And that's what we need to realize, that the old of us is gone and the new has come. Well, Paul has a few more good things to tell us. Listen to Philippians chapter 1. This is going to be from the message. So it starts in 20 and goes to, I don't know, 23-ish, 24-ish around there. It says, alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. Life versus even more life. I can't lose. As long as I'm alive in this body, there is good work for me to do. If I had to choose right now, I hardly know what I'd choose. That's a hard choice. The desire to break camp here and be with Christ is powerful. Some days I think of nothing better. But most days, because of what you're going through, I'm sure that it's better for me to stick it out here. The work that needs to be done for the Lord is never going to end. Because there's always going to be people that are in need of prayer. There's always people that have to have somebody that they can look to to get the hope that they need. There's always somebody that needs some healing, needs some teaching, needs somebody to serve them. There's always somebody that needs salvation. But God doesn't expect us to be here forever serving him. He chooses how, when, and where, and how long he needs us here to serve. The time of choosing is coming to an end because Jesus will return for believers. First Thessalonians 4, Paul had been asked by uh, believers, you know, what happens to the believers that already died before Christ comes? And this is what he says in First uh, Thessalonians 4, beginning in verse 15. And this is a New Living Translation again. It says, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with a voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, 
we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. <clears throat> now put that together with what Jesus said in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 40. Jesus said, two men will be working together in a field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other will be left. In other words, the time for choosing, it's over. Okay, when Jesus comes back, there's not going to be any, you know, I really wanted to believe, you know, oh, my mother, she was a great Christian. You know, I've gone to church for years. You know, I've been a really good person. The time for choosing, it's over. It's too late. Not making a choice is really making a choice to not believe. Phillips Craig and Dean, back in 2005, sang a song. It was written by Randy Phillips and others. And it really kind of tells the story of my life and maybe yours. Because the words go like this. When I look back on what I thought was living, I'm amazed at the price I chose to pay. And to think I ignored what really mattered, because I thought the sacrifice would be too great. But when I finally reached the point of giving in, I found the cross was calling even then. And even though it took dying to survive, I've never felt so much alive. For I am crucified with Christ, and yet I live. Not I, but Christ that lives within me. His cross will never ask for more than I can give, for it's not my strength but his. There is no greater sacrifice, for I am crucified with Christ, and yet I live. As I hear the Savior call for daily dying, I will bow beneath the weight of Calvary. Let my hands surrender to his piercing purpose that holds me to the cross. Yet sets me free, I will glory in the power of the cross. The things I thought were gain, I count as loss. And with his suffering, I identify. And by his resurrection power, I am alive. For I will offer all I have so that his cross is not in vain. For I found it is Christ and to die is truly gain. For I am crucified with Christ, and yet I live. Not I, but Christ that lives within me. His cross will never ask for more than I can give. For it's not my strength, but his. There's no greater sacrifice, for I'm crucified with Christ, and yet I live. It comes down to what Joshua said to the Israelites in Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you rather 
serve the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Who will you choose to serve? Choose wisely, because you only get one choice. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for my brothers and sisters that know you and love you, have made a commitment to you. Lord, help them to renew that commitment. Help them to realize that there's still a lot of work to be done, and we're the workers, nobody else but us. And we can't leave it to someone else, whether it's serving in um, the kids' ministry at church or parking cars in the parking lot or taking food to homeless or elderly or giving people rides or going across the world on a mission trip, that it's all up to us that you've called us to be your hands, your feet, and your mouth. So Lord, I lift up my brothers and sisters and, and call on them to choose how, when, and where they will serve. And it's up to God as to how long. And I lift up anyone that maybe doesn't know you, that maybe they've gone to church for years, maybe they've never heard the, the gospel message, maybe they've never heard about how to give their life to you. They hear people talking about being born again, and you know sometimes it turns people off, but Lord, let them know that being born again, born from above, whatever you want to call it, that that's the most important choice that anyone will ever make. More important than who you marry or if you marry, where you work, where you live, you know, anything else. We need to choose Jesus Christ. And Lord, let him know how to do it. Kind of like this. Dear Lord, forgive me because I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Thank you for sending Jesus, your son, to die on the cross for my sins. Thank you that he rose from the dead and that he's coming again. Lord, I give my life to you and I ask you to guide me and to direct me in the ways that I need to go through your word, through other believers, and Father, through prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.